Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. Welcome back to another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast. I have a special guest with me today, Melissa Romero. Melissa and I actually bumped into each other at a uh, holistic healing expo uh, that I was at with Danielle Massey. We were kind of hanging out just at the uh, Wellness Collective table. Melissa came over. We started talking. Um, Melissa's connected with Diva Girl. There's a lot of different connections in the community. And I was like, Melissa, yo, you have got to be on the podcast. And she's like, sure, cool. Here's my card. Um, So reached out and we set it up. And Melissa is joining us here today. She is the spiritual misfit, a barrier-breaking empowerment coach, ceremonialist, and healer who will guide you on a personal freedom journey from limiting beliefs to living the sweetest version of life possible. She helps you to activate the divine force necessary to make fearless decisions from the heart. Melissa's specialty is helping you connect with your true life purpose and empowering you with the tools to make it happen. The spiritual misfit prides herself in offering you practical applications to operate from an unapologetic space of self-love, forgiveness, and holistic success. Her healing style and soul growth technique is raw, real, and deeply nurturing. She is guaranteed to awaken the dormant superpowers within you. Ooh, Melissa, like I said, I practiced my bios before uh, we hit record, and I was like, that is a powerhouse bio. There is a lot in there. And so I would love for you to just kind of break down how did you actually get to being this fully embodied version of yourself, a little bit of what your journey was like from your own from your own words. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, no pressure. I mean, that bio, every- <laughs> I'm like, shit, is that me? <laughs> yes, that's you. <laughs> Oh God. Um, no, so my life, it's it's I, I grew up, I grew up an inner city child. My mother was a teenager. So she was 16 when she had my oldest sister. Um, and she had me before she could even have her first drink. So before she was even 21, she had three children. Wow. Um, and you know, daughter of an alcoholic and a teen mom. And so, you know, I had a pretty bumpy childhood. It wasn't like my my story or the, the life I created for myself, because I always believe that we we create this reality, right? This life school that we come into. Mm. And so the life that I re- created for myself was pretty challenging. Um, my mother went to jail. She went to prison when I was young um, and we lived in and out of different homes. And, and it was it was for a child. It was pretty, pretty challenging. But it was exactly, exactly the life I needed to become the person I am today. And so mm. it was absolutely, absolute perfection. And I've been able to experience these these life experiences that that are challenging to all of us, right? Especially to women. I love to work with women a lot. I mean, I work with men as well, but mostly my my specialty is women. And so I've been able to experience all these 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 challenges in life. And I feel like every one of them that have that has been an experience. In this lifetime has taught me something that I can go ahead and teach yeah. to my clients. Um, so, like the complications of having uh, a difficult childhood. You know, um, my parents weren't immigrants, but they were English language learners. So, the having uh, coming into that from that cultural perspective, a lot of my mm-hmm. clients are women of color. Um, 
and and you know all types of women of color. I have I have Indian clients. I have you know uh, black clients. I have uh, Hispanic clients. Like I have all different clients, and so I have this understanding of that cultural background, yeah. right? And then I also have an understanding of just life's challenges, just the things that we go through as women, as humans. You know, I'm also a single mom, so I have a lot of mom clients um, that uh, that I help out through this process, and so. All these beautiful, beautiful challenges I feel like were were absolutely orchestrated in my life so that I can do what I do today. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. I've also been on a plant medicine journey for about seven years now. Um, so that's where I got the ceremonial um, aspect of it. Um, it, it, awoke, it. It awoke in me this this. Thing that that has been dormant in me for years because I grew up seeing these things. Like we have a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, in Puerto Rican culture, there's a lot of connection to our indigenous indigenous roots. Um, oh. Some of the practices my grandmother did, you know, a lot of connection to Mother Earth, a lot of connection to the plants, a lot of connection to herbs, to things mm-hmm. like that. And so, to going on this plant medicine journey reawoke that stuff. I don't know if reawoke is a word, but anyway, awoke that part of me that um. That was so dormant because we became so Americanized. And by Americanized, like, because we are American in Puerto Rico, but like we became so like culturally Americanized and it just, we started losing that. Like instead of, you know, using herbs, which my grandmother still used to help us heal, my mother would use Tylenol, antibiotics, or where we grew up when my, when my mom first came here, we grew up with like the old fashioned way. And so all that and just understanding how sacred earth is has become like part of how I create ceremony and that's become my my journey so one of my goals in this life for myself is to live life in ceremony and so I create that space for women when I do my goddess circles so I do private goddess circles here in Philly but I do travel I'm gonna actually do one in California Uh, people hire me to kind of like a party planner but goddess circle planner. <laughs> yeah. so people hire me to come out organize an entire goddess circle depending on what they want they get like a menu they get to pick out what they want and they don't have to worry about anything they just fill out the menu and then i get in touch with them a week or two before their event and i tell them what i've organized for them they tell me what they want you know it's, it's just like like a party planner and so i've organized these goddess circles and this has been another passion of mine because mm. it's a place where women and here's one thing that i've noticed in culture and and i grew up this way as well that us as women were constantly in competition with with each other yeah. and one of the beautiful things in this whole journey that i've that i've realized is that we can actually be each other's support and love each other and grow from each other and learn from each other instead of looking at how can I be better than her or how can I? And so the circles is where that started with me. This is where I got to create that space with women, like really unite women and say, look, you can see your sister for who she is. You can see her. And the thing is that when we're in competition with each other, we don't show each other our true selves Mm. because we are trying to show each other the better version of ourselves. Right. We so can't that, be weak. We can't be vulnerable. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but when we're in a space, like a goddess circle where we get to be vulnerable, we get to see that, oh shit, I'm not the only one going through this. Mm. Like my sisters are going through this too. And then we have that love and compassion for each other. So ah. that's the ceremonialism and the coaching. What else did I say that I have? <laughs> like literally all of, all of the things. All of the things. I'm also a Reiki master. So I do Reiki healing. 
Um, and I also do a lot of energy clearing work. I'm actually working at an event tonight, a breathwork event, and I'm just going to go around and energy because, you know, with breathwork, you release yes. more. So I'm yes. going to go around uh, helping people release some of that stagnant energy. So I do that as well. That is I love all of that. I literally have to admit to you that my wheels are turning because I really wanted, um, I'm recently engaged and I'm thinking like, I want a very like conscious time with my girlfriends for my bachelorette party. And I'm like, okay, Melissa, like I'm going to hit you up and we're going to plan something. So uh, if my friends are listening to this, you will be seeing Melissa in a couple months when we finally get that on the books. And just going back to the part in your story where you were feeling this tug, if you will, on your soul to really maybe lean into your ancestry a little bit more, lean into plant medicine, lean in a little bit more, lean into really becoming more spiritual. What was your life actually looking like before you really surrendered to that calling? And how did you make that transition? Beautiful. So this is so funny because growing up, pretty poor, um, not having um, a home that was, you know, quote unquote, the like ideal. You know, my father was an alcoholic. My mother, once my mother finally left my father, um, she ended up dating this man that was a drug dealer. They got caught with drugs um, and she ended up going to prison. And then so I never had an ideal upbringing. And then when she came out of prison, she was just a single mom exploring life, growing up with us, literally like she she explored so many different things in life. And so I because I didn't have it, I believed that that's what I needed. I needed a husband, a steady mm. like a steady relationship with a good husband. I needed a college degree. I needed a job that made at least six figures. And and this is this is the the belief that I had. And so mm-hmm. um when I had my first son, I went to college. And I had already had um a few credits, but I dropped out cuz I decided to party instead. But <laughs> I went to college and I fi- I finished my degree when he was about 7, no, 6, I think. He was about 6 years old when I finished my degree. He's 21 now, by the way. I finished my degree and I and I I was like, okay, I'm good. I don't have to work 15 jobs anymore. By that point, I was a bar a bartender, a makeup artist, um, a behavioral therapist, believe it or not. I was yeah. like everything. You name it, I had that job. And so then I got I got my college degree and I worked for Merrill Lynch. Right. This was around 2008. I worked for Merrill Lynch and then the whole market crashed and all that stuff. And so then mm. I got my go with Merrill Lynch. And I didn't have anything else. I was bi- I'm bilingual. So my aunt reached out. She's like, you can teach. She's like, I can get you a teaching job. All you have to do is take these credits. And then, so I went and I started teaching. And and I married my ex-husband, who's a police officer. So we had the perfect life. Like he was a police you, officer. You really went in there and you checked all of those boxes. All the boxes. All the boxes. And I had, and I, I get, I love my ex-husband. Like me and him, we, we get along so well. Um, like I told you earlier, he's an amazing co-parent. And so we did all the things. We I had my teaching job with a pension. You know, all the things that everyone feels insecure. Yeah. I, I had summers off. I had Christmas break, East, like spring break. I had a police officer husband. We bought a house. We had a dog, two and a half kids, you know, the whole thing. And and then I started feeling like something was missing. Like I, I mm. this is what I was supposed to get, and I was supposed to be happy. So I was like, "Oh, you know what it is? I don't have a six-figure job. That's what it is." So I left. Oh. No, no, that was that was the solution. I need absolutely yeah. more money. <laughs> Duh, solution. And I am such a great manifester. That's one thing I've always been 
super good at when I really want something, I could just like it, it's it's I manifested. So I I was teaching. I had been teaching. I don't want to lie, but I'll say around about four or five years. Um, and I was like, I need a better job. So I left teaching. I got a job in corporate. I was making about 120 a year. It's so crazy. I got this job. That's literally after taxes. That is six figures. Like right there. Your take home was six figures. Exactly. Exactly. So I was, it's so funny because I went to this job and they were like, yeah, your salary is going to be 70. And I was, it was way more than my teaching salary. And I was like, I'll take it. Like, I'm sure I can work. I didn't realize I was going to get commission on top of it. I didn't know that I was getting commission on top of it. So I literally doubled my salary with commission. It was insane. So here I am making these six figures that I thought I needed to be happy. I was like, oh, wait, I'm still not happy. Maybe I need a BMW. So I got a BMW. Uh, right. Because if it's not the money, it's the car that the Just money can stop. buy. Got it. Mm-hmm. Then I got a, a, a Louis bag and then I got Louboutin oh. shoes. And then oh. I, I just, I kept like just spending and I was like, why am I not happy? And at the same time, I had got, I had right before when I got my job, there was something, something was triggered in me. It didn't, it didn't take like a year. It took like a year before it changed anything. But when I got that corporate job, I had I got gotten interviewed by my boss. And my boss in this interview, not for the job, it was like an interview they did for us, a newsletter that they created for the corporate, for the business, so that people could know we we just hired Melissa. This is a little bit about Melissa. Mm. And he asked me this question. This question, Amber, changed everything. Like was the was like kind of the seed that planted took for my for my growth. And we're in this interview and I'm sitting at at the table across from him. And he's like, um, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions, you know, just answer super organically. Like you don't have to worry. There's nothing you can say wrong. It's just so people get to know who you are. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure, sure. Mind you, at this point, I'm the mother of two. Um, and I have a husband and a dog. And so I'm in this, I'm in this, in on this chair sitting across from him and I'm being interviewed. And he asked me, uh, you know, little things about me. Then he asked me one question that changed my life. He said, what are your hobbies? And I swear, Amber, you, I don't, you could have thought that he asked the most complicated equation in the history of equations. Wow. Like I looked at him like, oh, in my head, the only thing that could run through my head ever were my, my husband's hobbies at the time, my kids' hobbies. I realized I had no fucking hobby. I didn't, I, I didn't do anything for, and like I did things like I worked. So you out. were like wifing, momming, and working. I had no identity. I had no identity of my own. And so when he has that, I looked at him, and he and it was so it was so obvious. He was like, you know, like things you like to do. And I was like, and I don't even remember what I said, but I know I made something up. Like I was just like, oh yeah, I'm like I don't know. Maybe I said I knitted. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna. I was literally about to say. I was like, yep, I am an avid crocheter. Like I love crocheting all day long. (laughs) So see this sweater I'm wearing. I made it like myself. (laughs) So I and I remember that was kind of like the one the 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 like the pebble that started the avalanche like it was just like this i i'm like already so obsessed with your story because this is where like people don't know like how our soul speaks to us, how the universe comes in. Like this was something so far away. Like you didn't go on an ayahuasca retreat yet. Um, You didn't like, you know, do all, it wasn't like one of those things. It was you going to a corporate job and some boss guy asking you, what are your hobbies for a company newsletter? That, that was your aha moment. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. 
And so right there, I started to realize there's something not right about this. Like, I should have things that I love to do. Like I sh- And then I started exploring the idea that, who am I? Like, and I realized that I don't even know who the fuck I am. Like, I don't, I don't know what I like to do. I don't know who I am. I don't, I didn't know any, like, all I knew was my kids, my husband, and my family life. Like, that's all I knew. And my friends. And, you know, at the time, I thought that what I was supposed to do for fun was get together with my girlfriends and get drunk. But mm. all of a sudden, that wasn't feeling fun anymore. Like, I was just mm. like, who? Mm. I had no idea. No idea who I was. Like, absolutely no idea. And and so that started this whole journey. And eventually, like, it took about a year. And I started realizing that all the things that I was doing was so that I can find some form of happiness outside of myself. Because I couldn't find it within me. Oh, yeah. And oh. it was just, it was, it was, so I, I realized that I wasn't happy in my marriage. And that was, that was one of the first things. And I realized that because, mm-hmm. but I was still looking for happiness outside. So I really believed, I had this, this, this belief and I've talked to my ex-husband about it. I had this really super core belief that he was supposed to make me happy. And he was so many people do because oh we my are God. spoon-fed. Codependency is the yeah. pinnacle of love. Exactly. And so he wasn't fulfilling that. So I had to go, let him go and find somebody else that would fulfill that. Mm. And so I, I realized I let, I let my, my ex-husband go. We separated. Um, it was semi-amicable. We tried our best. We did really good for my kid. Like I know he was a little resentful. I had a lot of people um, decided like had a, felt like they had a choice because I had my whole life was my marriage. Like my whole, our friends, my friends, my girlfriends were his best because he grew up with a nice core group of guy friends. So oh. my best friends were my husband's best friends' wives. Wives, yeah. So that's, yeah. that was my life. And so when we separated, people had to make a choice. And so I was left alone and it was perfect. It was absolutely, I needed to be left alone because this was the journey I was supposed to go on. And it was so Perfect. And then I got into a super toxic relationship immediately after because this guy made me happy. He had Mm. the 20% that my ex-husband lacked, right? And so I built a whole relationship on 20% when I had a husband that had 80, right? But I built a whole relationship on this 20% that made me happy. Ends up he was a drug addict, like super toxic. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, so I can't quote quote him as narcissist but i really think he had a lot of narcissistic <laughs> yeah. so, i was and, gonna say instagram has educated us all well enough to know we see like you know some symptoms of narcissism it's okay hardcore <laughs> narcissistic tendencies um and but the beauty of him so he's the one that brought me to the medicine so his narcissistic tendencies um and his drug addiction uh, took me, I was having a conversation with my eyebrow lady. I get my eyebrows microbladed. Yo, girl, same. Oh, yay. Are same. I actually need, Olivia, don't, don't hate me. I need to get a touch up. I think I'm going to change. I have like powder brows right now and I'm thinking about switching to like, you know, more of like the microblading. Yeah. So we're like, we're faded a little bit. It's, I'm going to see you soon, Olivia. But yeah, that I, yeah. yeah. I need, I need Bonnie. <laughs> I need you in a little bit too. <laughs> I see her like twice a year because my skin doesn't keep yep. color. Like it's, but <laughs> we can side go. note, side note, <laughs> microwaving is the way to go. Yeah. Um, so, um, 
So I go to my microblader and I'm getting my eyebrows. That you, like the way the universe has spoken to me has always been through the weirdest ways. And so, I'm so I'm, in love with this I'm story so far. <laughs> I'm getting my eyebrows done and I'm already kind of, on, I'm starting to read books. A friend of mine, actually, it's so funny. She was a recovering alcoholic. I was like hardcore drinking at this point. This point, I was, uh, we're going to come back to the microblading story, guys. But I was hardcore like, drinking like blackout drinking because I had I was in this toxic relationship I was in and this really amazing friend of mine Kathy um that was a recovery alcoholic like was really supportive to for me through this process mm. and she she would take me out and I would get shit-faced drunk and she wouldn't even have a drink which was amazing um now that I think about it but shout um, out to your girl Kathy <laughs> shout out to Kathy um so, but she told me, she's like, hey, I, I saw this book and I thought you might want to read it. And there's a few books that like, I love books, by the way. Books are my, like, have been my. So she introduced me and, and it just came out um, to Gabby Bernstein's um, The Universe Has Your Back. Oh, uh, yep. That, I, I, feel I, was, like I tell people, like, I was like, there are some gateway books out there. That's definitely one of them. That's <laughs> definitely one of them. And so I, I had. I, I was listening and I was listening on audiobook as I would drive to my corporate job. That was like an hour, an hour drive from my house. Um, I would listen to the audible and I realized like all these things she was saying. I grew up Catholic and I always questioned Catholicism. Like it never made sense to me. And then I hear Gabby talking about it and I'm just like, oh my God, it's everything I always believed. Like there's somebody else. I thought she was like, it was me and her in this world. Like just me and her knew this. That's the secret that nobody else knew. Mind you, it's like spirituality. But I can't believe I was like, Gabby, like how do you know this? This has been the shit that's been going in my mind since I was a little girl. It just, everything she said made so much sense. And then I started exploring um, things with her. And I saw that Oprah interviewed her on Oprah Super Soul Conversations. And then I started watching Oprah Super Soul Conversations and all mm. the people she would converse with. At the same time, my boyfriend that was a drug addict at the time gives me this book. She's, he's like, you know, as quote unquote narcissist, I'm not going to uh, diagnose him, but would say like he, he gave me this book and he's like, it's a really difficult book to read. I don't know if you'd understand it, but I'll give it to you because I don't get it. And it was the Dow Day Jake. And, oh. and I started reading that. And at first, he's, he was right. I didn't really get it. But like now, it's like one of my favorite books to quote. But I started reading the Tao Te Ching. Like all these things, like the way they just presented themselves. And then fast forward a year and a half of this toxic relationship. And I go to get my eyebrows done. And I, I'm talking to Bonnie about my boyfriend. And I'm just like, he's got a drug addiction. I want to fix him. What, da, 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 all this stuff. She's like, whoa. She's like, I'm going to go for the first time to go drink ayahuasca. She's like, you should tell him. I heard it's really good for drug addiction. Ever the minute she said the word ayahuasca, every hair on my body stood up. And I was like, I actually have that happening right now. Well, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the fuck ayahuasca is, but whatever it is, I know that I have to do it. Like, I mean, I'll tell him about it, obviously, but I know that I have to do it too. Like, it's not just for him. It's not just going to heal his addiction. And so um, he was trying to make it work with me and I told him about it. So he went, 
he's whatever. It was it was such. But I mean, whatever. He went and he went to like more make me happy. He went over there and then drinks ayahuasca and then goes to the bar and drinks at the bar immediately after. And I it's just whatever. He's like, it's only yikes, wine. yikes, only a glass of wine. And I'm like, it's an I whatever. Um. So long story short, I go to my first ayahuasca ceremony and literally literally changed my life like night and day i i the medicine showed me um the truth of who i was uh the medicine just told me like little things to change in my life just to make it better like just just to to be more in alignment and mm. so i was i was create and then when i came back from for, i didn't understand a lot of the things she said to me but when I came back, it all started coming clear. Like, and literally within a year, all those messages that she had talked to me about, all those messages she had shared with me was exactly the way I was living my life. And they all made sense to me. You know, there was one message that took me almost two years to figure out, which was crazy. Um, and I didn't, I realized that when I figured out, I was like, oh my God, this is what she was saying. But for the most part, like every message that she told me, she showed me in like this, this super goddess-like, space like she i walked through the, my my home in a past life and i lived in this beautiful palace in egypt it wasn't a palace it was like i don't know what it was but it was beautiful and there was a statue of me and i had two snakes one on each side of me i actually have her tattooed on my belly but she showed and when i when i when i spoke to to the shaman about it he was like she's showing you who you are like and mm. how you need to treat yourself you're you're a goddess like you should treat yourself like a goddess and so all these things, and I realized I wasn't treating myself, my body, um, anything right. And so I came back home. I did a butt. I just literally, literally a 180. By the end of the year, I looked back. It was on a July. By the next July, I looked back at my life and it was, I was completely different. Completely different. Yeah. I I have to tell you, Melissa, it, it is so because obviously I know nothing about your story. Like we literally met, I just felt that energetic connection, knew I had to invite you on the podcast. I literally just sat in a um like a discovery call essentially for a retreat that I just committed to going to in Mexico the end of July, beginning of uh August, where I'm going to be sitting with ayahuasca for the oh. first time. And I just like, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and like my body is hot. Like my body is hot. I feel the cold chills with like all of the heat and I, I like literally can't wait. I wish that this retreat was like next week. Um, and it's just so interesting because I, you know, obviously was feeling a little bit of trepidation. Like I'm a human being. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, but hearing you speak about this, it's it's like the universe gifting me with that extra validation and confirmation that I'm making, you know, the right and most aligned choice uh, for me. So I'm just like I'm sitting here, kind of stunned. I, I lost my my podcast tracking a little bit because I'm sitting here like, oh my god, like, oh, this it's is so, it's this is going to happen for me. And then I'm I the other weird thing is that I have. Um, I've done a lot of shadow work journeys and I have gotten this vision of like my highest self, like my goddess embodiment. And I want to get this gigantic tattoo on my thigh of, of her, of what she looks like. And I just got this message after the, you know, discovery call for the retreat to wait until after the retreat. Cause I would have more clarity about what she looks like. 
And so I'm like literally going to Instagram, like DM my tattoo artist to be like, yo, can we set it up for like, you know, like as soon as I get back um, from, from this. And so I'm just, the synchronicities are, are, I'm sitting here and like, and I'm also hoping that someone else is going to be listening to this and they're going to be getting that validation confirmation for their own life. Because I feel like so much of your story just resonates so deeply for me. But I I know that I personally have talked to probably at this point, like 50 people who have followed a very similar path where like they did check all the boxes. They were doing all the things. They had the money, the shoes, the handbag, the whatever, and they were empty. Mm-hmm. They were so empty. And, you know, just kind of like going back into that and like these beautiful little spiritual breadcrumbs from your boss, from, you know, your permanent makeup tattoo <laughs> artist, you know, like out of this, like, how how did you then like take what you had gotten from this medicine that you literally stumbled upon and then you you actually had to start implementing it and that's i think where a lot of people maybe are even hesitant to hear you know what the medicine is is going to say to them or like they're avoiding actually listening to the call to medicine or even if it's not medicine it's just leaning into your soul's journey because they know that they're going to have to shift change and let go of things so you had that experience you come home and then what happens? Yeah. And so then you see the thing with the medicine is that the medicine isn't and one thing I want to make super clear to all who's all who are listening and to you, just I'm, I'm sure you know this, but, you know, the medicine isn't isn't a, a, a solve all right. It's not mm-hmm. a it doesn't fix anything. The medicine, what she does. And I always like the analogy. You know how they say you can take a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. Yeah, medicine yeah. is like literally taking the horse to water. And what happens after the medicine, whether you drink or not, is what you what you bring into it. So mm, there's the free will, to, right? Yeah, <laughs> you choose what you want to do with your life. But here's the thing that I learned: that when I lived my life in alignment, it, there was peace. Ah. When I lived my life according to what I thought was the right way to live my life. When I lived my life according to, let's say, my ego or whatever you want to call it, there was disarray. There was, it was, it was. And so I started to, to, to know the, the differences and how I felt. Like when I'm in alignment, when I surrender, when I live my life freely, when I'm in flow, I, I, I'm aligned. I'm happier. I'm more, you know, I'm more content. I make better decisions. I, you know, but when I'm, I'm in this space of judgment, in the space of, you know, um, of, of fighting it, of, of, of anger, of fear, you know, fear is a big one. When I'm in mm. any of those spaces, it just doesn't feel right. So I started to realize that this feels nice and this doesn't. Why can't I continue to live my life here? Right. And if that feels in in the space that feels nice, like why would I choose to continue to live my life in this space that doesn't feel aligned, that doesn't feel flowy, it doesn't feel right? Um, And so that's what I started to see. Now, there's a lot of a lot of unlearning that has to happen in this situation. So a lot of my what I started, it was my journey into into unlearning. Like I started there's um. There's a beautiful story about Michelangelo, the, 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 the sculptor. I don't know if you've ever heard the story. Um, someone asks him, like, and, and this, is, this is in layman's terms. There was fancier language then. But someone asked him, like, 
Michelangelo, how do you how do you create such a masterpiece? How do you see a masterpiece in a block of marble? And he mm -hmm. says, the masterpiece is already in the marble. All I have to do is get rid of the excess marble. Oh. And so, yeah. And so that's what I realized that all of our lives were. We were all a masterpiece with a shit ton of excess marble. And so if we <laughs> just get rid of the excess marble, and that's my whole coaching program. My whole coaching program is around getting rid of the excess marble and then watching and seeing the masterpiece present itself. And so if we could just get rid of the excess marble, what is the excess marble? Our inner critic. What is the excess marble? Our be limiting beliefs. Hmm. What is the excess? Our inability to, to create boundaries. Our lack of forgiveness. Our resentments. This is all the excess marble. If we could just, not, not even so much get rid of it, but if we can become aware of it. Because of course, in an, let's say in an eight session, session coaching program, which we, you're not going to get rid of all of that, but you can become aware of it. We can plant mm -hmm. seed. Yep. We can give you tools, right? And so if we get rid of this excess marble, all of a sudden, our masterpiece presents mm. And then we feel, because here's the thing. If you don't know what, it, what it's like to live in your masterpiece, you'll never be able to live in that space. You have to feel it to understand it or to be able to live in it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if once we get rid of a lot of this excess marble and we become come into acceptance, become aware of it, then we can present our masterpiece. And from that space, we, we've tapped into it. We've tasted it. So now we know what it tastes like. So when we already know what it tastes like, so we can tap into it whenever we need to. Mm. And so that's what I learned. And that's what I'm continuously learning. So here's the thing. We're always going to have an inner critic, right? We're always going to have belief systems. It's, the mat it's a matter of becoming aware of those moments. What am I? And, and that's one thing I love to ask myself whenever I'm going through it. It's like, what am I? What is my belief, right? What am I believing? Because mm. it's a belief that's creating whatever this is. It's a belief and it's usually a belief and a fear. So it's like, what am I believing and what is my fear? What am I afraid mm. of? Yeah. And so I, so what happens is you, you create that awareness. And whenever you're feeling that, you're like, instead of reacting, you get to stop. You get to check, oh, what, are, what am I believing and what is my fear? And then you get to respond from that space instead of reacting, you know? Mm from fear, from beliefs. And so that's, that's pretty much what I've been learning. And, and it's a, it's, it's, it never ends, right? I'm constantly. Nope. Nope. And that's, I was going to say, if, if anybody, you know, comes across anyone who thinks that they have it all figured out, run, run fast, run far. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. yeah and, and it's big. And here's the thing I've, I've also learned is that a good, a good teacher, right? Because I consider myself a teacher. I help be, I teach people how to become aware of these things. I teach people how, how, how does actually see when they're, when they're in that space, right? Mm. And I think a good teacher gives you the tools for you to go on your own and do it. Yes. A good teacher isn't someone that says, but hey, you need me. You can't do this without me. And so that's a big thing. That's, that's what I pride myself in. Like I, I'll, I'll teach clients how to do cord cuttings. I'll teach clients how to, you know, because I'm like, I couldn't do your cord cutting. That's not a problem. I know how to do it, but I want you to be able to do it because you're not only going to have to cut cords once in your life. It's going to come up several yep. times. You don't <laughs> need me to do that. And I always tell people like, even when I do Reiki and I do an intuitive Reiki, 
So I tap into their spirit guides and angels and people are like, oh my God, how do you do this? I'm like, you could do it too. We're all, we all have the capabilities of doing it, you know? And so one of the things I find in this spiritual world and, and a lot in this community is a lot of people that say, yeah, but you need me to do it. I, I, you can't do it without me. And that's another thing I'll tell people to run. Like if, if, if someone isn't, their goal isn't for you to become independent and do it on your own. If, if they, yeah. if they're presenting something to you that you're going to need them for, for the entirety of your life, run because yeah. that's not how it should be. Yeah. And anyone who's listened to more than one episode of this podcast, I, one of my metaphors for leadership is a leader, is somebody who has climbed up that mountain and they are reaching that hand back down to pull somebody up to where they are. A good leader is not somebody who's like, oh, like, you know, you, you just stay down there. I'll tell you what the view looks like up here. If you want to know what it looks like, I'll just, you just stay down there. I'll tell you. And it's also not somebody who's crouching down to allow people to stand on their backs to get up to where, you know, they want to be. It's really that, you know, knowing that you've done it, you're reaching back down and you're helping to pull somebody up to be on that beautiful space that you are. And there's plenty of room for all of us up there. And I tell people a lot, whether it's a coaching client or a therapy client, my goal here is to work myself out of a job. If you feel like you still need me after we've been working together for a year or whatever, there's something that is not clicking. I'm not effective. You know, there's something that maybe I'm not the best guide for you in this space and that's okay. And also good leadership is being able to know when maybe somebody does need to work with somebody else or something's outside of your scope of practice. And that's where it's so important for us to be able to have a network, have a community. And I know that you are actually very involved in community. And can you speak to that a little bit, just the importance of community and what you're involved in? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I, I especially, well, I'm in Philadelphia. So Philly, yeah. <laughs> but Philly is, is is super near and dear to my soul. And so one of the things, um, one of the things I think, and this is another, another, another thing that I think as, as wellness providers, as healers, um, we, we need to work on more is coming together as, mm-hmm. as that and becoming that community and become and supporting each other. And, and here's where like that old paradigm of there, or, or even that's, it's a scarcity mindset, right? If, yeah. well, if Amber succeeds, well, then there's not room for me. Like, and so, and there's some of that in this, believe it or not, there's some of that in this community where people are super, um, territorial about like, well, I'm, I'm doing this event in this space. Don't tell anybody where it's at because if they find out about the space, then they're going to use the space. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happens to the space if more than one person uses it, but apparently it's a bad thing. I don't know what it is, but apparently, like, that's just an example. Like, you know, people do retreats in other places and they keep their retreat centers super hush hush because somebody else does a retreat there all of a sudden this retreat will no longer be any good like it's just it's, it's crazy laughing. i'm laughing because this is so like this is such an accurate depiction of what what does exist unfortunately it's so sad it's so sad and i've i've met i've come across a lot of wellness providers that are seeing this in the um in the wellness world especially here in philadelphia and i'm sure if it's here in philly it's all over the world but that are seeing this and, and we're just like, dude, enough is enough. We need to come together. Yeah, we yeah. all have the same purpose in mind. There was a friend of mine, one of the ones that, that I collaborate with, where she says, we're all looking to get to the same location, but we're all in separate cars. Why don't we just get in a bus? Like, you know, and we're all, <laughs> yeah. we all have the same goal. Why are we all going in separate vehicles when we could do it together? 
Mm, right. Yeah. And push each other forward and support each other. Let's say Amber has an event and I've, I've, I find out that Amber has an event. Oh crap. It's Amber's event. Let me support her. I'm going to share it with all my followers. So everyone knows that it's Amber's event and she's doing this event because I know what she does is, is, is of quality. And I know that she's, her goal is to heal, is to make people better. And so, and I know this about her. So I want to, I want to share that with the world because my goal isn't my popularity or whether or not I become famous, my goal is how many people, how many people in this lifetime, how many women, how many men, how many just humans, children, whoever the fuck I come across, how many people in this lifetime can I make better or can I open their eyes or can I help them see their masterpiece? You know, yeah. it's, it's not about me. And this is where it gets, it gets crazy. And I think this is where the humanness and the ego comes in. And yeah, I was just about to say, like, you know, if you haven't, and I think that is where you can know when somebody has really done that deep inner work to be able to tell their ego, like, Hey, I love you, but you need to like sit down and shut the fuck up right now. Because yeah. like, there are things going on that are so much bigger than you so much bigger than me. If we're out here to heal the collective, trust me, there is plenty of healing to go around. There is plenty of wounded people to go around. Like it really does need all of us and all of us working together. If we're even going to put a dent in helping this poor planet that we were hanging out on together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And accountability is another one because I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you that my ego every now and then doesn't chatter like, oh, oh <laughs> do you see so-and-so? She's totally using your whatever. Like I, I'll do a workshop and somebody else will use my, my workshop that I came up with. Oh, did you? See? And there's a little, you know, I have an ego too and it comes up, but it's that awareness. I'm not telling you that I, I don't have an ego. Like, no. I'd be lying. No. It comes up. There's little things like, did you hear that this person is offering Reiki like two blocks away from your place? You know, like little things and it comes up. And so that's when I have to be present to that and, and practice that awareness and say, mm, like you said, you know what, ego, you can check yourself at the door. We're not doing that right now. Mm. And, and, and that, and that knowing and that uh, faith that everything is working out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every yes. Moment. Yes. Because that, that is it. Like if you're winning, I'm winning. We're all winning. Like, the, and that is like, there's so many, there's not first, second, third, fourth place. It's like, we all get across the finish line or we don't. And like, it's going to take everybody working together to be able to get there. This even came up for me. I had somebody, I have a, uh, a private, you know, Facebook community for people who enjoy the podcast. And, um, one of my friends was like, yeah, like I, I would love to join blah, blah, blah. I'm actually looking for some accountability. I'm more working on a program called Sacred Leaders. Oh my gosh. Instantly, instantly, Kate Lolly, I love you. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Um, like instantly my gut was like, don't let her in. Don't let her work what? on the program. That's your name. That's your way. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay. Like hear you out. I know that, you know, all this fear is coming from a lovely place where you're trying to help me make sure that I don't go hungry. I got that. Appreciate <laughs> you. However, we exist in this space of infinite abundance. Okay. It's not like somebody's going to take it and then there's not going to be anything for me to eat. Okay. There's, it's, exactly. this is an en infinite, like endless all night buffet. We got plenty. We got plenty. Right. So I was like, come on in, girl. Like, come on in. Let's work on this together. That. Like, let me know how I can support you. And that was my genuine response after taking time to have it be a response and not a reaction. Exactly. Exactly. And here's another thing, Amber. It's not yours. 
Nope, it's not, not. Even yours. It's and like literally, like I there is a uh, in the in the plant medicine. So now I've been drinking ayahuasca for quite some time now. I've had like twenty ceremonies. By the way, I want to like reach say this to you before we end. If you need anything, like reach out and I'll give you some tips and tricks. Like, but, thank you, love that. Yes, but I what I learned one of the lessons I recently learned. I want to say about two years ago, or yeah, about two years ago from the medicine is that culturally. Um, they can't deny anyone the medicine. The mm. medicine has been created for, and, and people don't try to use this to your advantage. It's not right. But um, the medicine has been created from the earth. So if if someone shows up to a ceremony, they can't deny them the medicine. Everybody has to, like, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just a, a indigenous law. Like, you don't deny anyone the medicine. And in Puerto Rican culture, we have something like that we, where we don't deny people food. There is mm. a, I remember, one of my ex-boyfriends when I broke up with him shows up to my house to have dinner. And my mom's like, in Spanish, she's like, we can't deny him food. We can't. Deny. So the guy I just broke up with for cheating on me is literally <laughs> sitting across the dinner table on me. And I'm like, fucking Puerto Rican culture. <laughs> or like eating my food in front of him. And he's like looking at me like, because he knew she could have denied him. But anyway, this is so. This is part of the plant medicine world, and so mm-hmm. I learned this, and I took this on in my life completely. Like it's it's what I use for everything. So when anyone asks me anything, I think all this stuff that we do, Amber, is medicine, and mm-hmm. we can't deny people the medicine. So if someone yeah. says, Amber, can you teach me a little bit about sacred leadership? That's the medicine, Amber. It's your job. Just teach her about sacred leadership because you can't deny her the medicine. No, you no, can't, you can't. No. You deny her the medicine. You're denying the world the medicine. And I actually get really excited when other people like it's the same because even as you're speaking, the framework that you use to work with your clients is pretty much spot on to the framework that I use. But it's because it's not your framework. It's not my framework. If we're going to be honest, it's because we're tapped into the collective consciousness. And this is the medicine that we're all needing as human beings. So we're getting that information from the other dimensions, from like, you know, all the other places and spaces that exist that are using us as conduits and tools to be able to help give this knowledge to other people. So when I hear you speaking in a way that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how I work with people. I get so freaking excited because I'm like, we're, we're doing it, man. We're doing it. We're all, we're all speaking, you know, all of the, the same truths, but in different languages, in different dialects, the people that are meant to work with you are going to be different than the people that are meant to work with me. But if they walk away knowing the same core truths, that is fucking amazing. And that's why I think exactly why when we have that community, it allows people to be able to synergistically work together and know that if somebody comes to me, like I will be honest, if a woman of color came to me, I would refer her to you because that's not part of my lived experience. I am like, y'all see me if you're watching this video. I am like as white as it gets. Okay. And like, I had a very white upbringing. Like there's, there is no spice in this. There's, I can't even, I can't even chew big red gum. Okay. They didn't season my food growing up. My eyes water if I try to chew big red gum. Like that's how white this girl is. And so if I'm trying to serve somebody in integrity with authenticity, I'm not going to be in alignment for that person, most likely. I would much rather them be able to have somebody who did have that unique lived experience that's going to be able to connect with their soul on that deep level. Yeah. And that's great because now I know, like, and trust you 
Melissa, and I can be like, yo, you can uh, listen to episode whatever this ends up being of the Sacred Leadership Podcast, see if Melissa is your flavor, and go on over and hook up with my girl. Like, you know, she's she's got you. And that's a big mission here for the reason I have this podcast in the first place. It's to be able to elevate the people who are out there being sacred leaders, answering the call, knowing that everybody needs a different guide. And that is amazing. Yes. Thank you for that. That's so, I, yeah, I've had, I've had people refer single moms to me, mm-hmm. you know, women of color, like just because they're like, dude, I know Melissa, Melissa does kind of the same thing I do, but she can, she can connect with you more because she can do it from a, from a single mom perspective or she can do it from a woman of color perspective or, you know, and, and that makes a lot of sense. Same, same. If I saw someone that I felt like I couldn't connect with, I definitely refer them to, like, I've had, I had a lady that came and she, um, she was, she, she was really hung up on my, my degree. Like, I think my, cause my degree wasn't in anything coaching. It was in PR. I have a degree in public relations. And so, <laughs> and so, um, so I, I recommended her to my, to my therapist slash coach that's, that did, has a whole degree in psychology and she's also spiritual and she's also a coach. So like, I have, I like it, it, it. It's it's that's how it needs to be. It needs to be because people need that for their security. Now that I couldn't have served her, I could have totally served her. But for her security, she needed to feel secure in uh, this person has this piece of paper and mm. because they have yeah. this, I know that they're yada yada yada. Right. And because you are not operating from a place of scarcity or a place of ego, you didn't feel like you needed to make yourself fit. Like, yes, could you have helped that person? Absolutely. But were were you the person that was actually going to be in alignment with like their highest good and their deepest healing? Probably not. But that to me is ethical leadership. When you're able to take that step back and not be in that scarcity and not be in that ego and say like, hey, like I, I could do this for you, but you know what? I think this person is actually going to be more in alignment. Let me connect you with them. And that again is how we help more people get that deep level of healing. And and this is, I talk to a lot of people as a therapist who've gone, gone to so many therapists and they're like, yeah, I just didn't really connect. I just didn't really connect. And if you're not connected with that teacher, that guide, that healer, that coach, if you don't really feel seen, heard, and held by them, your healing is going to be a fraction of what it could potentially be. Exactly. And and if the person isn't real, like if I were if I were coaching, um, and when I it's, it's so funny because all of my worries when I get in front of a client on on Zoom, all of my worries about I got to pay bills. I need to, all that goes out the window because I want to be my truest self. And if I think about all the things I got to pay and all that, and I need to make the sale. And there was a time when I first started coaching where it was all about, I need to make this, I need to get this person to like me. I need to make them. And so now that it's been years, I'm just like, you know what? This person, I might not be the right fit for them. And so if I'm not, that's perfectly fine. Because again, that faith and I have that knowing mm. that everything is in perfect alignment and, and, the, and it's always going to work out for me. Ever, it's mm. always going to work out for me. Whether this person hires me or not, my life is always going to be okay. It's always going to work out for me. And so I have that knowing. And so when I get onto these calls with clients, it's not about making a dollar. It's about what is the best fit for you? What do you need? Like I've even done clients that are like, I really want to work with you. And I feel the genuineness in it. And they're just like, but I can't afford it. And I'm just like, okay, let's work something out. I don't want money to be the reason why you don't, you don't get what you need, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I've, I've gone, I mean, I've done, I've done it all coaching programs, like single moms that I'll talk to. I've even met people and I'm like, I know you don't have it. 
I really, I really feel a call to help you. I want to coach you. You don't have to worry about paying me. Maybe you can do an energy exchange. Maybe you could, you know, I don't know, do something for me, but you don't have to pay me. I know you don't have it, but I really feel like I can help you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always try to take on, I guess that's a pro bono or whatever. I try to take on at least one, one client, a cycle mm-hmm. that, that I do. And so I'll, I'll, I might meet somebody at a retreat that I do, or I might meet somebody at an event and I'm just like, oh, I really feel a need to help them. And yes. I'll, I'll pick them up. So it's like, it's a matter of that. It's that scarcity that has, that'll have you in that space of inauthenticity. Because if, if you're not, if you don't have a scarcity mindset, you can be authentic. You can be like, I'm good. Mm. This is what I can offer you. Yeah. And I know that you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I would love if you could um, touch on this before I let you go, because that is such a beautiful point to make about really making sure that scarcity is not playing a role in our soul work because it really does block us. It really does get in the way. It really does kind of bring up all that ego stuff where we might not be making in decisions in alignment with our highest good and the highest good of the people that we're trying to serve. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be this all or nothing, that we can actually find different ways that we can support ourselves as healers. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being a healer. Exactly. Exactly. So what I was talking to you about is because I am, as you guys, as I mentioned earlier, um, I was a teacher for many years and I went into corporate and then I went back into teaching. Um, and then I realized that it just didn't align with, I was a, an, a kindergarten teacher and, and the way life was post pandemic in a kindergarten classroom was mm. out of alignment with anything that I believed. I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm a disservice to the world. I'm a disservice to these children. It's against everything I believe. I couldn't do it anymore. So I left teaching and, and at the time my business was growing. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to go full, full time into my business. Um, and and it's been a year now and it's, and it'll be a year in June. And it's been, and it's been pretty, pretty beautiful. Like I haven't missed a payment. I haven't missed, you know, a rent payment. My, my bills are, are paid, but you know, everything, everything is pretty, pretty good. But it's like, it's kind of that, that analogy you said, a baker that loves to bake and then he becomes a baker and decides like, I started to realize that because my business was my primary source of income, it was losing some of the pizzazz that I loved, like some Mm. of the, some of the flow, some of the joy, because at the Mm. end it was like what I would be with my, with my coaching clients and I'm, I'm super, super centered with my coaching clients. But the minute I finished with them, it was like, now I got to do admin work. Now I do that. Now I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to, you know, set up a calendar for this event, do this. And it was just like all it, it just started to be. And I have to I have to promote this event because I'm doing this mm. event. And if I don't promote this event, I won't sell tickets. And if I don't sell tickets, I can't make the money to pay my and all these things started. And I was like, it's becoming such a business that it's not it's not it's not bringing me joy as much as it used to like I was telling my son and I told you that I was telling my son I was like you're very wise 21 year old (laughs) he he is like oh my god you should interview him he's amazing but but he was like um he I I was telling him about how like I used to love like I love what I do I love coaching the part that where affects me the most is the event and how I used to go to my events in the space of such like like flow. Mm. And I was like, 
it was like, it was magical. I would come, I was so excited about these events and I would host them because my, my bills didn't depend on this event. It was just like this thing I did. Because it was like a little extra, extra special, like sprinkle on top. Like, yeah. And I did it out of passion and love. And because I did it out of passion and love, I wanted to, I was excited about promoting it. I was excited about like creating the posts for it. I was excited. And now that it's become uh, a job kind of part of my business, right? Yeah, it's lost that excitement. Like I'm like, oh, I got to create another post for this event. And I'm not to say you can come to one of my events. Once I'm in my event mode, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. but it's the stuff that yeah, it's like when you're with. in your zone of genius. That's that's great, but it's like all the stuff around that that just felt so much harder. It just felt so hard. It was no longer coming from excitement. It was coming from a need, like a necessity. Like I have to create this event. Have to, not get to. Yeah. Yes. Like I have to create this event. I have to create this post. I have to promote this event. I have to promote that event. I have to promote this retreat. I have to promote. And it just became this like list of to do that just Mm -hmm. didn't stop. And it was like, well, because if I don't do it, my bills won't get paid and I need my bills to get paid. Um, because we have a home and I'm a single mom and all the things, right? And so then I was presented with an opportunity. Um, a friend of mine was like, hey, did you ever think of like just subbing, like doing long-term sub? And she was telling me when she gets paid, which is pretty nice. And I was like, you know, that might be nice. Not to pay because it's not going to pay all my bills, but it'll take the edge off, right? Yeah. Well, I was like, and she told me the hours, like super, super, super cushy. Like I, I get out of work at two, like it's super cushy. And I was like, you know what? I do it. So I went to an interview today for it. And the guy was like, oh, you're in. You'll, we'll, we'll give it to you. Um, and he's like, and I want you to maybe, would you be interested in being full time next year? And I was like, oof, that's something to think about. Let me do the, 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 the sub position first, you know. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me feel this yeah. out. <laughs> I was like, let me see because I don't want to commit to something that I won't be able to do. And I was like, let me see how I like teaching high school because I taught kindergarten. I was like, yeah, that's the big difference. <laughs> I was like, let me see how I like how I like teaching high school first. So I'll do the sub and to see how I like teaching high school, and then I'll I'll, I'll come back to you. And I'm talking to my very wise 21 year old, and I'm telling him about this, and he goes to me. He's so funny, and I hope nobody from the school district hears this. But I go to him. I'm <laughs> Probably like, not. <laughs> I know. I know. I go to him. I'm like, yeah, but then I, he was like, well, what do you think about taking the job? I was like. I mean, I, I, I would take it because it'll take that edge off. And then I'll be like, I'll come back. And I, I miss being so passionate about these things. I was like, and I'll come back from that space. I'll be able to like create more of a business plan for my business. Like really, really launch it from that really nice foundation. All the things. Because I left my job without having a plan. Like I just left. And so I'm talking, I'm talking to my son about that. And my son's like, mom, you know that if, if you go into teaching and you don't like it, you can't quit. And I was like. Oh, yeah, you're a straight <laughs> like, you have to. We love you, Gen Z. Gen Z is just like, yo, if you're not about it, leave. Like, and you know, like <laughs> us millennials, we're like, I'm sorry, what? Do we not need to like, you know, contemplate leaving for like, I don't know, six to 12 months and then like talk to all of our friends and family about it and have them convince us that we don't really need to go anywhere and then do like 12 back and forth emails to try to like figure out how we can stay and then ultimately leave. But it's way after the fact and we're really miserable at that point in time. Like, no, you can just leave. Like you can't just like, you can just which thanks is so, for the permission, Gen Z. We love you. <laughs> it, it's so beautiful, but it's it's so the way we should live life. Like 
I mean, of course, I wouldn't leave. Like, right? No yeah. Like, of course, we're, there's we a, have work ethic involved yeah, here in integrity. Yes, <laughs> there is work ethic. Like, of course, I would give up time, but that's like that was such a beautiful. That was such beautiful permission, mm-hmm. and then and and it kind of allowed for me to give myself permission to just be like, you could do this. You could do this. Try it. See if it works. And if it doesn't, you can always leave. And I was like, I I do have a whole business that I can't sustain myself with if I decide, you know. But um, so so that's what that's where I'm in right now. And I've been exploring this world of like, because I'm all about and I, it's in the interview questions I was telling you about divine feminine. I'm mm-hmm. all about like really really tapping into my divine feminine. And mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm in that space, and, and if I can explain it better, I'm so in my masculine, like in that work, work, work. I have to create. I have to create um, uh, posts for this. I have to promote this. I have to. It is so in my masculine that it's so uncomfortable. Like I'm yeah. so uncomfortable in that. State. I feel like your masculine is almost just like choking and suffocating the part <laughs> of you that is the divine feminine. It's just like taking over. You have your own like inner patriarchy going on. <laughs> I do, literally, literally. And I'm just like, well, if I get this job and it's high school Spanish, like I'm not teaching like, <laughs> that's important. People should learn a second It language. is, but I will say like high school Spanish was like my most favorite time of the day where I feel like I could actually like have fun, enjoyment. There was culture. Loved my high school Spanish teacher, Senor Alba, for anybody who went to North Penn. Uh, yeah, like it, it, it was, there's a little bit more space there to be a full human being and not necessarily have to be like, you know, teachery, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm exploring this, 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 this thing because I definitely want to be, but also I won't take a job that I'll be miserable in. I will never do that. Mm-hmm. Like that yes. I will not do. So this yes. is why I said I do the sub because no matter how hard my passion, like how challenging sometimes my passion could be, it's my passion. So at the end of the day, I love it. And I'm not going to take a job that's going to make me miserable. I won't. Right. I won't do that. So um, so this is this is the new thing I'm exploring. And I love that you wanted to talk about this because I feel like part of me, and again, my my very wise 21-year-old, <laughs> we really were very open with each other. And um, and I was talking to him and he's like, well, how do you feel about it? Because he's we talk to each other like this, like, well, how does that make you feel? And I was like, you know, I'm not going to lie. There is a little tinge of me that feels like I failed in entrepreneurial shit. Oh, you know what I mean? And yeah. he was like, he was like, and he listens and then all the things. And, and I was telling him about this. He was like, and then this, this is right before he told me about I can leave. Um, but he was like, mom, like, if anything, like you, like you should be proud of what you, like, I'm going to cry because it's so, he goes, if anything, you should be proud of what you did. Like, he's like, no one would have, some, most people would have stayed miserable at their job just for security. You know, he's like, yeah, you took true. a huge chance. And look, you're doing it. Like, he's like, you should be proud. And if you have to do something to like really love what you do again, then do it. Do whatever it takes. And that's what he told me. And you know, you can quit. Ask if you don't like it. Like, you know, it's not permanent. And it was such a beautiful thing because I was like, there was a little, ooh, that's why this was just earlier today. So guys, it's so- Oh, so this is real fresh. Oh, thank you for sharing this with us in like real time. (laughs) It's was. I know, this is so- But he- um. He, uh, just, just that, just that beautiful space. And I just, I, I'm really upset. I'm really present to like the beautiful relationship that my son and I have, but also like, holy shit. If you feel like, like you're in this space where what you love to do has become 
a job or a task or you've lost the 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 the, the passion or whatever it is for it and you yeah. might have to make a different decision just to regain that passion do it like just do it because it's 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 available to you and i had a teacher that once told me don't don't pretend you are further than where you are but that was such a beautiful lesson because like even in this world of like entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and all the things, the challenges that come with it. If I were, let's say, you know, Donald Trump income status, I might not have these issues, right? But I'm not Donald Trump income status. I, I am where I am. And to pretend that I am in the Donald, that's kind of excessive. But anyway, to pretend that I am in that income bracket is to pretend that I'm further than where I am. And right mm. now, I'm not there. And so whatever it takes to make me love what I do more, because if I can, if I can come from that space of passion, the work that I do is so much more authentic. It's mm. so much more beautiful than coming from that space of, fuck, I got to, I got to promote this. Fuck, I got to pay the bills. Fuck, I got to, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I love that so much. And it's so interesting because, you know, I think spirit speaks to us in like so many different ways. And like out of the blue, I had wanted to listen to, so I'm like literally going to date myself. No problems there. So uh, Green Day, their original album, Dookie, there's this song on there that everybody like doesn't know. It's called She is the song. And if you haven't ever listened to that, like go relive, you know, the best emo years ever, like get your, yeah. get that on your Spotify, Fine. Apple, iTunes, whatever you need to do. Um, but it's so interesting because there is this line in this song that I've been like on my, like in repeat on my head. And it's, um, she, she's figured out that all her doubts were someone else's point of view is like, that that's been the line. And like, I'm realizing I'm like that, that's, that's it. It had to do with this conversation that you and I were going to have today, Mm -hmm. because it's true when we are doubting ourselves, usually it it comes into some, some supposed to, right. But like who said the supposed to, who said that, you know, taking on something to support your entrepreneurship is failure. Who said, right. It's, it's somebody else's point of view. And that doubt that is something that you can let go of when you actually find what's true and align with what's true to yourself. And I think that that is so beautiful because I love a leader who walks the walk and talks the talk and practices what they preach. And that to me, like, right, you know, obviously I connected with your energy when we met in person, then in our little pre-interview, when you were sharing that in in your truth with me, I was like, oh, I love this. I, cause I would never have somebody on here who's like, yes. And so I'm going to help you have like 20 K months because like, you know, I just got back from like my Royal yacht cruise. Meanwhile, they actually did that trick where they held up a toilet seat to a window and they took fake, you know, private jet photos. It is a thing. It is a thing. People literally, there's like all these hacks on the internet where people are like, literally like become an influencer, like from your bedroom. And like, yeah, you, people buy toilet seats and like hold them up. Cause it looks like <laughs> a private jet window. Yeah. Like, yeah, like basically like fake these photo shoots. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Um, but that's like where I was like, I just I love that you just came out and we're like, yeah, I had an interview earlier today. I like might go oh. and teach high school Spanish. Like that's that is amazing and beautiful. And I am here for all the people who are permission givers. And I so appreciate you taking the time to be so raw and honest and share your story with us today. When people are interested in your, you know, your ceremonies, your events, um, your coaching, how can they find out about those things and connect with you? Oh, 
Yes. So um, for my coaching, you can go on my website. Uh, it's called it's the spiritual misfit dot love. Um, if any for anything else, events, uh, whatever it is, I'm, I am going to get them on my website. I just haven't gotten around to it, um, but it's on my to do list. Uh, but if not, you can come on my IG, my Instagram. Uh, it's at the underscore spiritual underscore misfit. Um, that's my IG. Definitely hit me up to DM me. Let me know that you heard about me at the, from the Sacred Leadership Podcast. Um, and yeah, that's where I promote all of my events. Awesome. Because we will definitely be dropping all of that in the show notes for you guys to follow along. Um, if you want to try to become a part of my bachelorette party, like send me a DM, you know, I might, might get some guest spots going for my uh, goddess party uh, bachelorette. I really can't wait to like connect with you further about that, Melissa. Thank you again for taking your time, your energy, sharing your vision, your mission, your soul's purpose with us today. I so appreciated this. And I didn't even know how amazing of a conversation this was going to be. I was just like, let's just talk and see what happens. And this was straight up magic. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. I had so much fun. Thank you. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.